You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. How many of you would start off just kind of being honest with me today and say that you ain't got no rhythm when it comes to dancing? How many of you just say, I got no rhythm. I can't even clap on beat here at church. You tell me to clap. I can't do it, let alone move my feet at the right time. Uh, how many of you would say, I got some rhythm. I'm a pretty good dancer. Anybody say, I got, okay, we've got some, we got people can bust the move in here. All right. I don't typically dance, but if I ever get into that groove to where I need to and feel like I need to express myself in that way, I'm usually kind of a elbows at 90 degrees kind of guy. Don't go out of that. And I can kind of do the step back and forth. I inevitably though, I go to the white man's overbite. <laughs> you know, I can't stop it. It happens every time. And working my way through that. But when it comes to rhythm, I don't have a lot of rhythm when it comes to dancing and that kind of thing. But what's more important to me that I struggle with is I tend to live a really busy and hectic life. And so my rhythm as it relates to my life, my, my faith, my family, my work, and my rest rhythm a lot of times gets out of whack. And so uh, for me, I've always been kind of a, a restless soul. And I uh, get patient, impatient uh, rather quickly, and I've worked on that and pray for my wife. I'm still working on it. I'm usually in a hurry. I usually walk really, really fast, and my kids and family, whoever I'm walking with, always tell me to slow down. And I tend to kind of live in the future, so I'm looking at six and seven steps down the road, and so that tends to make me, you know, miss step one sometimes. And, and uh, so I, I, my pace just kind of is, is always going, and, and I, I've really kind of always been that way. And I, I've tended to think that you know, once, you know, a, a certain season of ministry slows down, then I'll finally be happy and then I'll finally able to, I'll be able to focus on what's important. You know, early on in the church, it was, hey, when we find a building, then things will kind of slow down and things will get, you know, where I want them to be. But, but it never did. And, and then, you know, when we get this ministry started, when we get this room renovated, then things will slow down and never did. And now it's like, oh, when the building next door gets finished, then we'll finally be able to rest. I'll finally be able to, to slow down. But, you know, maybe you kind of struggle with that as well in your own life. And you're kind of, you know, believing that illusion as well that, you know, maybe, you know, if I can just get to that point in my life, if I can get past this project, if I can get past this whatever at work and past this season with my kids, you know, then I'll be able to slow down and rest, and, and that illusion constantly motivates us to do what? Work harder, work smarter, work faster. And so what we need to do is create a list, and I need a, a list of to-dos, and if I can just, you know, begin to check off that list of to-dos, then, then eventually we're going to work towards that end, and then I'll reach that, and then I'll rest. But we never get there because as soon as we get there, something else comes up, another season of life takes over, another project happens. And, and so unless you are intentional about your schedule and about your rhythm as it relates to your faith, your family, your work, and your rest, then your life will always be hectic. Your schedule will always be crazy. And so today I want us to talk about your rhythm and most, more specifically, I want to talk about your rhythm of rest in your life. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Mark chapter 2. Uh, in the Bible, time management is an important principle that we see over and over again, and specifically in the principle of a Sabbath rest. 
And so I want to begin to talk about that today. And if you're new, you weren't here last week, we started a new series entitled Airplane Mode. And so if you have your phones, let's go ahead and make this a practice today. Get them out and let's go ahead and switch them over to airplane mode. Go ahead and do that. Let's get that going. You know, you're going to make Delta happy and Trent happy when you slide your phone over to airplane mode. Last service, the phone went off. And so I was like, you didn't listen to me and see, now you're embarrassed, right? And so don't be that guy uh, or that gal, whoever it was. And, and uh, we're in this series because we want to limit our distractions that limit our growth. And so last week I talked about how we have to be a strategic quitter. If we want to truly grow, we've got to quit the right things at the right times. And some of us are just doing all kinds of silly things that are distracting us from our walk with the Lord. And, and so that's why I gave the challenge to, in fact, fast from social media And if social media isn't like your thing, fast from TV or maybe a specific channel uh, that you spend a lot of time looking at and spending time on so that you can have margin in your life to add your quiet time, a, a time to read the scripture, a time to pray. And we always try to add things to our plate, but unless you're willing to subtract things from your plate, chances are You'll never create any new habits because you just simply don't have the margin. You don't have the time. And so we've got to quit some things in our life. And I hope God is speaking to you in that way. We also are sending out a text messages every single day that has a Bible verse that we're all reading. We're all asking the same questions about and praying about. And I hope you're receiving those. If you're not, you can text uh, this word FC Bible to that number and that will begin uh, tomorrow morning, early in the morning, and uh, get your day started off right. Let me just see by a show of hands, how many of you are fasting social media or some kind of technology right now? Any, can you guys, all right, that's actually pretty good. Uh, you guys actually win as far as percentages today. So uh, I've been telling people, like, if we're just coming to church to, to feel good about ourselves or, or just to be here, we're coming at a tradition, this isn't going to help your spiritual life, like just being here. Like the scripture tells us in James, we actually have to do what it says. And, you know, God gives me a burden. He gives me a challenge to give to the people here at Foothills Church. And man, I really do want you guys to take that seriously. I take it seriously. I've been fasting uh, social media ever since last Sunday. And, and I want to encourage you guys to do this because I feel like God gives me this burden specifically for you because I'm shepherding you. And so I feel like this is a need that we have. And so if you haven't started that, I want to encourage you to start it today. And uh, whatever that might be technologically, maybe it is social media, begin to do that. We've got another challenge at the end uh, that I'll give as well. But in Mark chapter 2, we're actually going to begin in verse 23 here. And, and uh, as we look at the Sabbath rest, uh, obviously when we look at rest, we immediately think of sleep. And so some of you are here today and it's like, man, I'm exhausted Three o'clock hits every day and I'm exhausted and I just have to slam a few more cups of coffee to kind of make it through the rest of the day. And, and uh, you wake up and you go and you go and you come home and you're exhausted. And there's just kind of this rhythm of just being exhausted in your life. And, and so there's not even really a good pattern of sleep. And science tells us, man, how important sleep actually is. In fact, the National Sleep Foundation says, before Thomas Edison's invention of the light bulb, people slept an average of 10 hours a night. That's pretty good, even by a teenager's standpoint, right? I mean, they, granted, they went about 12 or 13, but 10 is still good. By 2002, Americans were averaging a little less than seven hours of sleep on weeknights. And so doctors, the medical world tells us that we need anywhere from seven and a half to nine hours of sleep at night to function well and to recover, you know, physically. And so we know this to be true. And I had so much research to give, but I, I, we just don't have time to go through it all. But 
we know that if we have a lack of sleep in our life, it's going to lead to a lot of physical uh, conditions that we don't want to experience. For instance, a lack of sleep is actually going to potentially lead to depression in our life. Because a lack of sleep weakens our immune system, we're more susceptible to illnesses. We're more susceptible to anxiety and stress. We're more, uh, we have a higher risk of blood pressure, a higher risk of diabetes, and a higher risk of weight gain. Not to mention, we have a low sex drive. Now, all the dudes in the room are like, dude, I need to take a nap. (laughs) Right now, you're talking, I'm napping. But, you know, the reality is rest is an important part of our physical health. But even more important, it's important to our spiritual health. And so we want to understand why. And I want to help you today grasp this concept and, and, and why is time management uh, from a biblical standpoint and important? And what does the Sabbath even mean for us today? Well, the Bible is going to give us some answers today. And, and uh, I pray that God would, would uh, reach out to our hearts today and speak to us in a powerful way. And we're going to see a story here in verse 23 about Jesus. And it's on the Sabbath day. And uh, it says that he was going. And so this is Jesus and his disciples. We're going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read about what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So the issue here in this story is that these Pharisees, these religious leaders were upset at Jesus. They were furious at Jesus because in their eyes, he was breaking the Sabbath laws. Now, To help us kind of have some more context here, let's talk about what the Sabbath actually meant. And so for the Israelite people, Exodus chapter 20, God says very clearly in the Ten Commandments to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And so the Sabbath was a day for rest and it was mandated to all Israel. So all the people had to do this. Their children included, even their animals had to rest and not work on the Sabbath. It was a day that they were called to honor and worship the Lord. It was a day that they were called to present special burnt offerings to the Lord as well. It was a day that reminded the Israelite people that God had delivered them from Egypt. And so it was a a day of rest and celebration and of remembrance that God uh, freed the Israelite people from their slavery. Now, the Lord promised them that if in fact they kept the day holy, that he would bless them. But as we read in the Old Testament, they didn't do that. And so a lot of bad things, a lot of judgment took place because they dishonored the Sabbath. And the Sabbath uh, rules were, were so important that there were some that if you actually broke it intentionally, then, then they would put you to death as a result. So it was a big deal for the Israelite people. Now, over the years, though, people, the, 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 the uh, uh, scribes and religious leaders began to add laws, began to add regulations on top of the biblical commands as it related to the Sabbath. 
So the Old Testament has 613 commandments or laws uh, to follow. And out of these came the Sabbath requirements. And so in an effort to explain what a Sabbath meant, the, the rabbis began to create commentaries and various sermons to kind of teach what, what it actually meant not to work. What they did, though, is they started adding thousands, literally thousands of laws and rules as to what it meant not to work. And so one of the rules was you couldn't take a certain number of steps. And if you took you know, more than what was allowed, then you were breaking the Sabbath. You could only write uh, only a certain amount of letters, not like, not like handwritten letters to your, your spouse or whatever, but like literally A, B, C. You could only write a certain amount of letters. And so all of these rules, all of these regulations began to be a huge burden and weight upon the people. And so literally thousands of these, thousands of these things were created. And so the Pharisees are priding themselves on following the Mosaic law and all of these regulations. When I say Mosaic law, that just simply means the law that God gave to Moses to give to the people. So those laws they followed and all the man-made rules as well. And so when they come to Jesus, here they are in their pride and they're looking at what Jesus is doing and they're saying that he is breaking the Sabbath. They're infuriated. Here's a rabbi that is breaking this commandment. And so Jesus reminds them of God's original intent as it relates to the Sabbath. And I think if we can understand the original intent today, it's gonna bless our lives as well. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we learn is that a Sabbath is a gift. Look at verse 27 again. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not the other way around, not man for the Sabbath. And so the idea for Jesus is like, look, all these rules, all these regulations that you guys are putting on people, that's not the intent of the, of the Sabbath. The Sabbath rest was intended to be a gift to my people, God says, not a burden to them. And so in Genesis chapter one and two, God's creating. This is the creation narrative and, and God is creating the world, the plants. He's creating animals. He's creating mankind. And he looks back at his creation and he says, it is very good, you know? He sits back and he, and, and he sees it's really good. And on the seventh day, the Bible says in verse two, that as God finished his work that he had done, he rested on the seventh day from his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work. God is resting from his work and he's saying that it's really good. This is a good thing. Now, God isn't resting because he's tired. God's not sitting back, you know, whoo, <laughs> that whole man creation thing was pretty tough, you know. Uh, whew, I need to sit down, I'm a little tuckered out. No, that's not what's happening here. God doesn't get tired, thankfully. So there's much more that he's teaching us here. Why is God resting? Well, what it means to rest is to be satisfied with the work that you've done and, and to see it as good. This is what God is doing. He is resting. In other words, he's, 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 he's taken a break here. He's resting in the sense that he is looking at creation and he's enjoying creation and he's saying that it is very good. So for you and I, this means that a Sabbath is more than just taking a day off from work. There's more to it than following a bunch of legalistic rules. There's more to it than just taking a day off. A Sabbath rest means to stop and to enjoy God to enjoy his creation, to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Really, the whole point of the Sabbath is just really to stop and enjoy what God has done. If you wanted a kind of brief statement there, to stop and enjoy what God has done and is doing 
in your life. A good definition of rest is simply to be satisfied with what has been done. And so that's the problem with our culture right now. Honestly, that's the problem that I kind of face sometimes too. Maybe you do as well. Like being satisfied with what has been done. You know, seeing your life, your family, the, the, the gifts that God has given to you, to be able to stop pursuing the next big thing or the next thing and to, to celebrate and honor God and remember him and acknowledge him and be satisfied in what he has given to us today. And to just be able to make a rhythm and a pattern of taking that rest and enjoying his work, enjoying our rest in him. See, God's teaching us something much deeper than just sit down and stop running around. He wants our souls to be quieted. He wants our soul to rest so that we can hear from him. God meets us in a season of rest. And that's important for us. And, and, and if our life is hectic and busy and our mind is going and we're doing and going, it's very easy to miss the word of God. It's very easy to miss the wisdom of God in our life. And so God speaks to us in a season of, of, of quietness and, and when our pace has slowed down. So that gives us motivation to, in fact, begin to embrace a Sabbath rest. Now, the religious leaders are, are basically saying, Jesus, you are reaping, you know, corn on this day and reaping is against the law. And so Jesus points to a story and it's in 1 Samuel and, and it's a story of when David and his men were, were uh, so desperately hungry and they go into the temple and they eat the presence of uh, the, the bread of the presence. And no one was allowed to eat that bread except for the priests. And so when David goes in and he eats it because they were starving to death and, and then the, uh, the, his men eat him, the scripture uh, what's it say about it? Well, Scripture doesn't say that God gets upset or God condemns them. In fact, the, the Scripture, you know, is, 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 is basically saying that that was okay. And so Jesus reminds them of that story, and he's almost saying, look, your man-made rules, all of these ridiculous legalistic rules, you know, I came to fulfill that law. I'm pointing to something greater. And, and, and for you and I, like the, the season here that Jesus is in is he's saying, man, I am the fulfillment of this. And so stop worrying about and placing this burden upon the people. He's saying, look, the, the Sabbath is a gift, not a burden. When he says that he's the Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying that in fact, man, I am uh, the creator of it. I have authority over it. He's, is, he's essentially saying that he's equally to God, which in fact infuriates them as well. He's saying that all these laws in the Old Testament were just temporary and they were all pointing to something. What was that something? Well, it was Jesus. It was the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of rest. And so everything pointing to Jesus, he is the Sabbath, he is the rest. And he says, I'm the one that's gonna give your soul true rest. And so if any of us want true soul rest, we can only find that in Jesus. You see, one of the big parts about Jesus's mission is actually fulfilling the Old Testament requirements. And sometimes in our culture, we miss this, but Jesus is not coming to abolish everything. He's coming to fulfill it all. And so when he is coming and fulfilling the law, this is a huge part of his mission and he perfectly lives out the law, accomplishing what you and I could not accomplish. I mean, our work could never be enough. We could never 
work and earn our salvation. That's why when Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, you can't trust your work, but you can trust my work on the cross. You can't count on your work for gaining your salvation, but you can count on my work on the cross to gain and experience my grace in salvation through my sacrifice. Now, when Jesus is on the cross, you remember he said, it is finished. What he means by it is finished is now everything needed to accomplish our salvation has been accomplished. He fulfilled it all. Now we can rest in that work. We can rest in his work. And God accepts us by faith in the work of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. And so in essence, Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath, completing that work, we're trusting in his work. We are now able under this new covenant to rest in that wisdom and knowledge, have faith in Jesus and experience the the Sabbath rest every single day. We don't have to earn his approval. We can't earn it. We can't work for it. We're now able to rest in the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. This is a glorious thing, but it does bring up a question. So how do we relate to the Old Testament law? That's the old covenant. When Jesus comes, he's fulfilling that. He's dying, he's buried, he's resurrected. Now we have a new covenant. And so we don't hold to the Old Testament law like the Israelites do. So here's how we can begin to understand this. Hang with me. There's what's called the ceremonial law and the civil law that we read about in the Old Testament. Now the ceremonial laws had everything to do with uh, all the various ceremonies in the church. And so the sacrifices and the grain offerings and all of these various things. And, And so in the new covenant, we're not bound by that ceremonial law any longer. It's why nobody brought a goat today for me to sacrifice, right? We don't do that anymore. Why? Because Jesus came, there's a new covenant. No more grain offerings, right? And so the other part is the civil law. Now you gotta remember that Israel is not just a nation. This, this is their government. This is how they run their nation. And so this is, this is their law. And so when it comes to their civil laws, we're, we're not bound by that under the new covenant. We're not living by those anymore. But we are bound by what's called the moral law of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant because all the morality uh, clauses and, and statements in the Old Testament, we're still bound to today. So thou shalt not kill. That's a moral clause. That's a moral statement. Can't kill anybody against the, the will of God, right? So, so you can kind of begin to see that. Now, when it comes to the Sabbath, I mean, this is one of those, those things specifically given to the Israelite people. So how do we, in fact, embrace it? And, and what are the requirements for us under the New Testament? Um, for a lot of people, they believe that Sunday is the new Sabbath. But you have to remember that that's nowhere required in the New Testament. We don't read that anywhere. And so, uh, in fact, if, if we're supposed to be, you know, fulfilling the, the Sabbath like the Israelites did, then we wouldn't be meeting on Sunday. We'd be meeting on Saturday because Saturday was the Sabbath. We'd, we'd be offering sacrifices and all these other things. And so it's a different scenario and we look at it differently under the new covenant. Now, why do we even meet on Sunday? Well, we meet on Sunday because Jesus, the scripture says, rose on the first day of the week and the early uh, Christians met on the first day of the week on Sunday and they worshiped together. And so that just tradition-wise you know, caught on. And that's why we're here today on a Sunday morning. But we could meet on Saturday night or Friday night or any night, worship the Lord corporately together, and God would take that worship equally uh, as a church. And so that, that, that day doesn't really matter. So for us, the, what does matter is that we don't approach the Sabbath in a legalistic way. 
Because if we start adding rules and regulations and all these things as to what a Sabbath is, we become just like the religious leaders and the Pharisees of Jesus' day. And this has happened, I mean, quite honestly, in, in, in culture, especially in the South. I mean, some of you were raised in a very legalistic environment, and so you went to church, and, and, and Sunday was considered the Sabbath. And so you went to church, and you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath, right? How many of you ever heard you weren't allowed to mow the grass on Sunday? Because that was considered work, and yeah, we're all confessing our legalistic background. It's not in the Bible, right? Who says that's work, right? And, and, and so we, we said we can't work, but as Christians, we'll go to all the restaurants that are forcing all the pagans to work. That's okay for some reason. I mean, really, think of the logic there, right? And we'll give bad tips, you know, to really show them. We love Jesus. Now, think about it like this. You, you're not allowed to play sports on Sunday. Some of you heard that too. You grew up, you're not allowed to play sports on Sunday. And so, you know, that was a law, that was a, a legalistic rule that you grew up in. But all the Christians said it was okay if you're a professional NFL player. <clears throat> you can work on Sunday because we need something to do after our holy naps. We got to watch you. We went. You see how it's like anytime you start making rules and regulations as to what this is, it gets really icky and, and creepy. And so, so the reality is, what do we do? What do we do? It's, it becomes real simple. The principle that we want to gain today from a Sabbath rest is very easy. You ready? It's simply this. Work six days and rest one day. Work six days, rest one day. That's the principle I, I want to encourage you to live by today. Not in a legalistic way. Not in a way that says Sunday has to be the day, and if you don't do it on Sunday, then you're a pagan. Actually, I don't do it on Sunday, if you haven't really thought about that. And, and in fact, anybody that says Sunday is the Sabbath, their pastor is, in, in, in fact, breaking that law every single Sunday. This is, this is a work day for me. It's about a 14 or 15 hour work day for me. After three services, getting here early, you know, leading a small group, teaching base camp, doing an elders meeting, this is a long day, right? My Sabbath is on Friday. And so uh, we, we, we take that day and, and that's our Sabbath and, and that's my Sabbath. And, and uh, I want to encourage you guys as we move through some of this practical stuff to remember that the whole point of this is really to rest in the sense that we are being satisfied and thankful and honoring God on this day. So remember, the Sabbath is to be a blessing. The Sabbath is for your good, not a burden that you have to carry Around. Secondly, a Sabbath is for rest. And so we want to stop and enjoy what God has done, be satisfied with it. Jesus is the Lord of rest. He is calling you to rest. Now, we know this has beneficial effects physically, but the spiritual effects are enormous if you'll make this a habit and a practice in your life. Anyone who cannot rest from work is a slave. Hear that today. If you can't rest from your work, you're a slave to this idea of becoming successful or being important. Maybe that means that you are a slave to a materialistic mindset. Maybe you're enslaved to an unfair employer or your parents' expectations. These slave masters will abuse you if you are not disciplined in the practice of a Sabbath rest. So a lot of people will work seven days a week. And I'm glad you're here. And a lot of people will come to church even on Sunday, but then work and do stuff for the rest of the day because they can't put it down. And for a lot of people, the reason why they can't put it down is because there's this inner drive uh, that, that 
they, they just feel like they want to prove that they're good enough. And so I want to prove to my dad I'm good enough. I want to prove to my kids or my spouse that I'm good enough. I want to prove to myself that I'm good enough. And so that is a motivation that makes us run and gun and do and produce. But if we're not careful and we are killing ourselves to make sure that we you know, are, are, are proving that we're good enough, we're going to run ourselves ragged and dishonor the Lord in the process. Inevitably, there are those days where we feel like we're good enough. If that's your mentality, you're going to do something, experience something, you're going to be like, yes, I sold the house. Yes, I got the promotion. Yes, I finished and everybody said it was awesome. And so that one moment, you're like, yeah, I feel good enough. But inevitably, that, that feeling of not feeling good enough is going to come right back in. It may be a day, two days, and then here you go, right back in that cycle of trying to prove yourself. Folks, in Jesus, when God looks at you, when your faith is in him, God is saying, you are good enough. Apart from Jesus, no. With Jesus, God says, you're good enough. So the only set of eyes that you and I should live for is the God who says, you are good enough. A lot of us blame our kids for our, our pace because we, you know, we want to provide for them, want to give them stuff and, and do stuff for them, even though it might be spoiling them or they didn't ask for it or it's not helping them spiritually. We, we use them to, to motivate us to go and to do. But can I tell you this, that your family needs your attention more than your accomplishments, more than the stuff that you're going to give them. And so we want to be able to, to, to be strategic about our busy schedule and begin to realize that we need to work six, we need to take one 24-hour day off. Now, the beauty of our culture is that you're given two days off. I know this isn't true for everybody, but a lot of people work Monday through Friday, and then Saturday is off, and Sunday is off, so you get two days. And yet, we still can't find rest, because we pack, you know, Friday night with stuff, and Saturday's pack with stuff, and then Sunday's pack with stuff, and then next thing you know, the alarm's going off on Monday morning. We got to do it all over again. Folks, this isn't the life God's called you to live. This isn't the pace that God will speak to you and bless you in. We've got to be able to take that step back today. And so let me give you some guidelines for what I think would be a healthy spiritual rhythm for you as it relates to rest. Again, this isn't like a legalistic, you got to do it, but it's, it's helpful. And the first thing I would say is pick a day and time. Pick a day and time. If that's going to be Sunday for you, Great. Day is, 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 is already off. So pick the day, pick the time. Now, some of you, like the Israelites, they considered the Sabbath, it started at Friday at 6 p.m. to Saturday at 6 p.m. So you might say, you know what, I'm going to start it on, you know, Saturday night at 6 p.m. So you're going to focus on maybe a family meal or relationships. And then you start that Sabbath rest with actually resting, sleeping, get a good night's sleep, waking up uh, Sunday morning, for uh, time in the Word of God as a church. Whatever it is, pick that day. Some of you work weekends, you work, you know, double time or overtime and this, and, and so your, your schedule is different. But whatever your schedule is, it's important that you put it on your calendar. This is my Sabbath rest. And you tell your spouse, this is, our, this is my rest. And I want my kids to know this is, this is my day of rest. I want you to hold me accountable to that. Secondly, it needs to begin with worship. So even if today is your, your Sabbath day, it should start with you waking up and having time in the word of God and praying to God and connecting with him, preparing your heart for a corporate gathering. 
So obviously we're going to gather and we're going to look at the word of God and you're going to be encouraged and challenged. We're going to worship together and give together and some of you are serving together and all of these things are wonderful things, but it ought to begin with worship. Third, it ought to be intentional. So you don't just, you know, haphazardly go about this. You want to actually say that, all right, we're, we're going to begin to say no to some activities and we're going to say yes to honoring God with some of this maybe inactivity so that we can, in fact, enjoy rest. And so it's important in our schedules to actually put this on the calendar. Next, I would say, Sabbath is a time for you to enjoy, so it ought to be enjoyable. Whatever you plan to do on your Sabbath, make sure it's a time that re-energizes you and a time that you actually enjoy. So I hope coming to church on Sunday is enjoyable for you. But if your day off is today and you don't have anything else work-wise to do today, The rest of today ought to be something that re-energizes you and something that you enjoy doing. So that might include being with your family. It might include going to the park or going to the mountains. It might include going to the lake. All these things are wonderful things if in fact you enjoy them and they re-energize you. Now, little caveat here. If going places with your family is not (laughs) re-energizing, you may wanna rethink what happens for the rest of the day. And, and I'd say this in jest, but also, truthfully, if you're a mom of young kids, they're always tugging on your pants and needing you and wanting you and always tugging on your shirt for stuff. It's like, you've got to be intentional about your time as well. And you've got to be willing to say, I need some time out of the house. I need to go to Starbucks. I need to go to Hobby Lobby for a couple of hours. I don't have to buy anything, but I got to get out of here. I'm, I'm going to go nuts, you know? And that's perfectly fine. And if, if, if a part of your regular rhythm is that you get out of the house, I believe that would be a great thing for you to recoup and re-energize. Finally, I would say your Sabbath ought to be a time of self-assessment. So you're examining your relationship with Jesus. So this is a day committed to God. It's a day committed to honoring him. And so we're thinking about our, our relationship with God on this day, which is another helpful reason to slow down. It's another helpful reason to actually be in the word of God to be in prayer with God so that I can assess where I'm at, so that I can worship him, so that I can see maybe my schedule is bad, maybe whatever Trent's talking about, whatever, wherever we're at in in the Bible today, we're assessing this and we are able, excuse me, to address it and to move forward. All this to say, guys, that your spiritual health all really hinges on the rhythms in your life that you're allowing to be a part of your spiritual disciplines and a part of your growth as a follower of Jesus. Our rhythms are huge. So the beautiful thing though about the Sabbath is two things here that I wanna mention, mention that, that God instituted as a weekly reminder for number one, to show us that all true blessings come from his grace, not our work. Every blessing that we have doesn't come from my work, it actually comes from God. And so when I take a Sabbath rest, I'm admitting that, I'm modeling that, my posture towards God is that, all of these nice things, all of, you know, great family relationships, uh, this beautiful creation, great church around me, all of this is as a result of the grace and love of God. Not my work, I didn't earn this, I didn't work for this in the sense that it's because of me, I have it. God might have blessed my work and used my work to help that, but essentially it's all from his grace. And then secondly, We honor God and we keep the day holy if we seek to give attention to God on that day. So it's not enough just to say it's my Sabbath. It's like you want to intentionally say, this is a day, God, that I am resting for you. God, I'm resting to put you first in my life. Sabbath is a gift. 
Sabbath is for rest. And number three, the Sabbath is a test. It's a test. Think about it. One of the main reasons that people don't take a day off regularly is that they don't trust God. They don't trust God to actually provide for them what they need to, 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 you know, to stop for a day. Think about it. I could make another phone call. I could send another email. I could send another text. I could do some more research that might advance my career. I might get the promotion. I might make more money. But the Sabbath is a test. Am I willing to stop and look at the word of God and say, you know what? I'm gonna dedicate this day to the Lord. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna rest from my work and I'm gonna trust that God is going to provide all the things that I need. I'm gonna trust that, that, that even though I may not get the promotion, I'm gonna trust that God is gonna provide everything that I need. And our culture, the guys that are you know, working 80 and 90 hours, yeah, they're sometimes the one that get the promotion, but they're also the ones that die of heart attacks you know, in their young age. So you, you may not get the promotion, you may not get you know, more money, but if you're honoring the Lord, here's what you're gonna guess, get. Rest for your soul. And there is not a salary, there's not a toy, there's not a bigger house or a bigger anything that can replace rest for your souls. I mean, some of you walk in here today, your pace is a reflection on your physical anxiety and stress and you're worried, and your mind is always worried about what's next and what's going on and, and house and kids and what if, and, and, and there just seems to never be any rest for your mind and your soul. And I'm just here to tell you and to remind you that Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, soul rest. I'll free you from that anxiety. I'll free you from that burden, all that heavy weight that's put upon your shoulders. That sometimes you put there, maybe other people put there. If you quit the right things at the right time and you begin to work hard at resting, I think God will begin to bless your life. In fact, the bottom line for today is that we've got to work hard to rest. We've got to work hard to rest. Think about it. It takes a lot of effort to plan your schedule out and observe a Sabbath rest. You're gonna have to think longer than what are we doing right now? You gotta think about next week. You gotta think about what kind of activities are gonna be rejuvenating to you. You gotta make a commitment to actually gather for worship on that day, to actually wake up and have time with the Lord. All of these things take intentionality. And again, you're not gonna just add a new habit to your life without subtracting things that are causing you stress and, and, and causing you distractions in your life. And so we're constantly, I'm constantly, and I hope you are too, looking for the things in which you need to quit so that you can do the things that are important now. Don't believe that lie and illusion that when everything works out the way I think it needs to work out, then I'll rest, then I'll do what's important. Don't believe that lie. Commit to the Lord today that you're gonna give him a 24 hour period every single week to rest in his goodness and grace. In fact, that's the challenge today. So there's only two more weeks of the series and, and I would challenge you to do this every week, but specifically try it for the next two weeks that you're gonna take a day and you're gonna proclaim it as your Sabbath rest, whatever day that's going to be for you. And you're gonna honor the Lord on that day. 
probably for many of you, it's gonna be Sunday. And so this is gonna be a part of that Sabbath rest. And when you leave here, you're gonna be thinking and intentional about what's next and how we're going to plan and experience a rest as a family together. Most of us can't do anything about improving our dance rhythm today. I'm not really gonna get any better at that, but every single one of us has an opportunity to improve our spiritual rhythm of rest. Would you bow your heads with me? I realize in the room today that there's all kinds of various issues as it relates to work. And so I recognize that some of you are here today and, and uh, you're out of work and you want work. And I wanna pray for you. And by a show of hands, if you'll just lift your hand up, would anybody say that's me today? Like I'm out of work, I need work. Pray for me today, Trent. Anybody at all? I see several, several hands. Thank you. I'm gonna pray that God would provide that opportunity for you. Some of you are actually working somewhere, but you don't enjoy it and you're looking for other work. How many of you would say, pray for me, Trent. I'm looking for that opportunity. Lots of hands. How many of you would say, Trent, I'm, I'm the guy or the gal who needs to rest from my work. And that's me. That's where I'm at. I need to learn how to rest from work. Anybody at all say, that's me. Hands all over. Hands all over. Got to rest from my work. See, the truth is you're in control of your schedule. And anyone that would say, I'm not in control of that is a slave to something. And so we want to ask God to release us from that bondage today. And Father, you saw hands in the room of people who are out of work and, and they're desiring work. I pray in the name of Jesus that even this week that they would begin to see opportunities and have doors open, flung wide open, that they would see, God, the next step that you have for them as it relates to their job. So give that opportunity to them, God. May they, may they humbly seek that and see that in light of your truth today. Father, for those who are, are in a job, but they're looking for another job, and Lord, I pray first and foremost that they would check their motives. God, help us to be content if we need to be content in the place that you have us. But God, if you are moving us and you have created that holy unrest in us, I pray that, that Lord, that you would open up that opportunity for them and, and that they would see what that next step looks like and what it feels like, God, and, and they'd be faithful in accepting that. For those in the room, many of us, God, that struggle from this, this concept of rest and some weeks we have good weeks of rest and others and seasons we, we just don't. I pray, God, that you would just convict our hearts in such a way that we would in fact believe and trust that this principle of working six days and taking one day off would in fact bless us physically and spiritually and it would honor you. Lord, I know that there are some heavy hearts in the room there might even be some folks that have never given their life to Jesus. I pray today, God, that before they leave, they would go to our prayer and care room where our volunteers will be and, and they would simply ask, I, I, I want Jesus. Or they'd simply say, I want Jesus. I want the Lord of rest in my life because my soul is heavy. My spirit is, is not rested right now. There's something more that I need. And what they need is the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I pray if there's anybody in the room that would say, 
man, I, I need that, I want that, that they would in fact make that decision. Father, bless us as we leave today and honor you. For it's in Christ's name we pray all of these things. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.